Hello, I am your host, Tabari McCoy, and welcome to A Tight 45. A Tight 45 is brought to you by Everybody's Records, located at 6106 Montgomery Road in the Pleasant Ridge neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio. Everybody's Records has been independently slinging music for 42 years. Swing in and dive into a deep catalog of music, including vinyl, or bring in your own CDs or LPs for cash or trade. Listening in from out of town? Be sure to check out their website at www.everybodysrecords.com. gentlemen thank you for taking time out of your day or night as the case may be to tune in and listen to this episode of a tight 45 i am of course your host tabari mccoy and one week ago who would have thought we would have been here um i keep this podcast on a more entertainment level i try to keep things nice and nice and neat and uh very uh very lighthearted if you can. Um, but yeah, uh, one week ago, who would have guessed that was coming? Uh, a lot of people, depending on who you know and what circles you run in. Uh, I'm not going to uh, get into that um, for a variety of reasons, uh, mostly because I want to keep this nice and simple for your audio pleasure. Um, and because I have a great guest on today's episode. On today's episode, I had the pleasure this past week of speaking with former NFL quarterback turned consultant firm owner and Sirius XM radio host, Mr. Ryan Leaf. Yes, that Ryan Leaf. If you are a football fan or like me, an autograph collector, uh, you know that Ryan Leaf, by his own admission, has had uh, let's just say an interesting career and life following his time in the National Football League. Um, I happened to reach out to Ryan after a very humorous, simple tweet that he put out on Twitter, thinking that, hey, maybe I'll hear back, maybe I won't. And he responded super quick and uh, couldn't have been nicer about it. We have a really good conversation, which especially in lieu of last week, for anyone that might be struggling with something or trying to overcome something in their own life, I really think you're gonna enjoy this conversation that we had. And I keep saying the word conversation because I would ask the question and I would just let uh, him go ahead and run the ball and you know run the show and talk about uh, what he wanted to talk about and, ha- and, and in, you know, in no uncertain terms, um, often and he was very frank very forthcoming very polite very nice dude and uh you will not be able to see the video except for like what i put out on social media for teaser clips um that man should probably maybe open up like a fitness program because ryan leaf is jacked y'all like uh i know that last year like in may you may have seen a certain photo that went around uh my man is in shape now so He's been using quarantine to his advantage, whereas I have been giving several local bakeries way too much business. And now that it's gotten super duper cold outside, I am not running anywhere near as much as I was before. Um, So yeah, there's that. But uh, you know, I'm a regular person on my social media as I am in real life. I don't do the thing where you get a certain persona for a certain outlet. That's just not how I'm wired, you know, because there's a lot of celebrities Everything on their social media has to be a comedic performance or everything on their social media. It has to be, you know, them promoting their next project. Uh, I'm a regular dude that does regular stuff. I jog. I collect autographs. Um, you know, I uh, I read, uh, you know, well, a lot of people read, but you know what I mean? Like I read recreationally, not just for necessity. Um, but yeah, whatever I put out there is what I put out there. Um because I try to be quote unquote real because I'm a real person. And uh, seriously, in this point in time, if you keeping up a charade or charade, if you prefer, in 2021, I mean, I guess more power to you for having that level of dedication. But uh, 
you know, if, if nothing else, if you can't be yourself at this point in time, it's probably never going to happen. You know what I mean? It's just you can't keep trying to put out those false personas because I feel like you connect with people better when you're a real person. Now, if I was balling out, if I was doing shows at casinos or theaters or amphitheaters or things of that nature, then maybe I might keep some of my more nerdier pursuits or whatever to myself. But, um, you know, it is what it is because there is the word social and social media. And I don't know about anybody else, but the last week or two, we have seen just the absolute worst of people coming out on social media. Um I try not to curse on my social media. I try not to curse on this podcast for a variety of reasons, most of which revolve around my money. Uh, but I'm getting to the point now where one or two more things happen. I'm probably going to let all of my inner Richard Pryor out at this point in time, uh, minus the cocaine usage. Um, but shout out to the greatest of all time. Um, I feel like at times that Richard Pryor has been reincarnated in Dave Chappelle comedically, just also in what terms of what Dave talks about. I would love to get Dave on the podcast, but who wouldn't love to speak to Dave Chappelle at this point in time? And Dave is his own podcast, if you haven't noticed. Um, so, you know, before I keep going on and rambling with that type of stuff right there, uh, wanted to let you know, feel free to make sure you check out my website, which is tabarimccoy.com. Uh because I keep up with movie reviews on there. Didn't review Wonder Woman 84, although it feels like the villain from Wonder Woman 84 is now wondering about their next move after they leave a certain house that's painted a certain shade. All right, let me not throw shade at this point in time because uh, I don't want to have to worry about any of these people doing me the way that Lindsey Graham uh, got done last week uh, going through South Carolina, I think it was, the day after he uh, happened to say something about uh, the current commander-in-chief. So we're going to get off of these subjects and get into this interview. So coming up after the musical break, feel free to sit back, relax, and enjoy and be inspired and entertained by my conversation with Mr. Ryan Leaf on this episode of A Tight 45. episode of A Tight 45. And as I mentioned during the opening monologue today, my guest is a man who has had a very, very, very interesting and storied career in many different fields. And let's see, if you're a sports fan, you probably know him from his time at Washington State. And then of course, you may know him from his time in the NFL. And the NFL was an interesting experience. Now he's the head of his own company. He's a contributor on Sirius XM. He's a broadcaster. He's here with me today, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ryan David Leaf. Ryan, how are you today, sir? Uh, I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I'm glad you were to take the time out because you're a very busy man, despite this current craziness of quarantine going on. So I am happy that you were able to take the time out uh, to be here today to talk about your life career and the way the world is. And you know, the first thing I was wondering is someone who has been around professional athletes quite a bit. I know that a lot of times athletes hate dealing with the media, but now you are part of the media. <laughs> um, what's it been like to make that transition from the athlete getting ask questions to now asking the tough questions and making analysis, if you will. You know, it, it was more natural than I thought it was going to be. And there probably is some karma to it for how poorly I treated uh, members of the, the press back in my, my day playing in the NFL. So uh, probably a little bit of both, but I enjoy uh, the analyst side of things. Uh, it's getting a chance to talk about football and talk about sports, which is what I've essentially done my whole life. Um, you know, growing up with my dad uh, and, and being in the game, 
you know, for most of my life. So I, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's been, uh, it's been difficult just to learn, uh, and, and try to be better at it every time I go out and do it. I think that's, uh, that's a work ethic that, that, uh, it, it's a, it's a job that we make look easy. Therefore, everybody thinks it's easy to do. And that's, that's a compliment when people believe that because it takes a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. Understood. And, you know, obviously it takes a lot of hard work on any level once you get past, say, high school uh, to be a star athlete, let alone playing the position that is the most glamorous for a lot of people in not only football, but all of sports, at least for a lot of, you know, guys in America who have those dreams living out like Al Bundy from Married with Children with their Polkai days in their mind. Um, You know, but, you know, it's been well documented that for those who may not be as familiar, because you know I have a lot of different people on the show, your NFL career uh, didn't exactly go the way you hoped, which is why you got a lot of recent publicity for a very simple tweet, which was, as a comedian, I appreciated the timing and the perfection of it, um, because there was the tweet recently where someone had sent out, name a professional that you expected to have a better NFL career, and you simply wrote back one word, me. And I was like, yeah. oh, the timing of that. I said, I, I said, the humor of that, let alone, I said, my man might have an open mic in his future. Um, you know, you've talked about it before, but I'm just curious to get to a place where you are now in a good place. What has been the main thing that has helped you overcome, you know, your past struggles, if you will, um, to where you're a happy living life individual now with what, for those of you who cannot see the video teasers, it looks like he's got a very nice crib. I'm gonna throw that out there. But uh you know, how have you gotten to that place in your life? Well, I think it's, you just get to a place where you, you lighten the fuck up. You know, it's, 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 you don't take things as seriously. Um, you know, I know what's important. I know what's serious. And uh, the fact that I didn't meet uh, my expectations or what other people thought were expectations of, of what they think an NFL career should be, um, you know, so be it. It doesn't, it doesn't cost me anything to be self-deprecating and uh, uh, to have a little uh, humor. And I, I feel like if you can't laugh about yourself, um, you're never going to be able to laugh about anything. Uh, and, and that, that seems so true to me. And you're exactly right. It was a, it was a two letter, one word tweet that did like 12 and a half million impressions. It was uh, absurd, absurd, but it's, it's, it shows how you can relate to people uh you know they love to see that like hey he doesn't take himself seriously or too seriously uh he's he's about uh being of service and and being relatable to other people and i think that's that's just the that's just the way i go about life now you know it's a it's a uh it's a humbling experience to have gone through what i went through and uh i i use it as a as a teaching tool you know, because you do a lot of um, public speaking endeavors where, you know, you'll go out and you'll talk to different groups about your experience and things of that nature. And, you know, when you get a chance to go out and speak to people, do you often find that they have a preconceived notion of what you're going to be like before you get there and then it changes? Or is it kind of like, a, oh, you know, athlete talking about his life or, you know, what have you found in doing what you do in that regard? Yeah, I think there probably is. I think I think for the longest time, uh, I was kind of a caricature of, of maybe who I, who I really was because I, you know, it'd been so long ago where I had these moments with the media where I was this petulant child. And then I, I doubled down with that by uh, getting myself um, in trouble with the law, you know, breaking the law and going to prison and, uh, you know, being caught up in, in uh, being a drug addict. And those are all public things. So I think people have a pretty, probably pretty solid preconceived notion when they hear my name or hear I'm going to be in town speaking or something like that. And that's why I think that uh, uh, to be in the room when I, when I do tell my story is, is really palpable. It's, it's, uh, I, think, I do think people are surprised. A, I think people think I'm a stupid person in terms of not being intelligent. Mm-hmm. and and uh that i can't articulate or or be a good storyteller i think that i think that's something that people believe and then when they hear me 
you know, string two sentences together, I think that that surprises the hell out of them too. I understand. You know, I was going to say, you throw out a lot of words where I'm like, oh, I hope my listeners had the thesaurus handy because I'm a word person by nature, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, all right, we'll see. Because I've done stand-up <laughs> comedy and I can tell you right now that, you know, you used a couple words. I'm like, yeah, that's not a, that's not vocabulary I can use on a late night Friday show when they're three beers deep in a bucket, but I digress. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was, you know, because I've been around professional athletes and knowing them. I had friends that played college ball or a couple, you know, male and female that did whatever. And, uh, do you think that honestly, people really understand the amount of pressure that is put on a professional athlete's schedule? Not even talking about their performance, but just the level of meetings, the, 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 you know, the level of demands on your time, you know, when it comes to making family, because every time there's an athlete that screws up or has something go wrong, one of the first comments you'll see on social media is about all oh, these millionaires or if I was getting paid, do you, do you, you know what I mean? Do you, does that get like annoying at a certain point or do you understand or is it like a mix of both? It's, it, my days are much more stress-filled and, uh, and um, time-consuming uh, trying to keep up my sobriety than they ever were for football. Um, and I don't ever want to hear anybody complain about the pressure and stress that comes with being a, a professional athlete because you don't have to do it. We choose to do it, okay? Uh, we choose to play a child's game and get paid millions of dollars for it. So I never want to hear anybody complain about the pressure and the stress that comes with it. I just, I don't, I don't buy it at all. Um, I think we do it to ourselves. We, we think of ourselves as too important. Therefore, people need to uh, give us credit for, for what we're doing. And what you really should be given credit for is just playing a, a silly child's game for millions and millions of dollars. That'll do it. I, well said, sir. Um, I, I wish I had somebody else on to make this a debate like McLaughlin Group or something. That's an old ass reference for anybody listening. If you don't know that, you're probably under 35. Uh, be that as it may, um, you know, I was doing some reading and some research because I try to make this a prepared, informed conversation. And I know that like you've talked to like other athletes and whatnot. And I know you had mentioned about Johnny Manziel, who we know had his whole situation. And now uh, the Washington professional football team, because they cannot come up with a better nickname. Um, they just released Dwayne Haskins and a ton of stories have come out now about, you know, Dwayne, his personality, whatever he has or has not done. You know, if you had a chance to talk to him, you know, what would you say? Because he's still a young dude. He, I mean, he's only, it's only been like a season and a half. He's got like the yep. Achilles Smith treatment. What would you say if you had a chance to talk to Dwayne? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd say hopefully this humbles him. Uh, he realizes that he is not the all important, um, you know, being in this conversation that, you know, he is quickly, it, could be out of the league as he was when he got in it. Um, he needs to surround himself with people that hold him accountable. And I don't want to hear anybody ever say he was the victim in, in Washington. Um, because when you have people that do that, um, you, you'll, you'd rather take that information and believe that than to, to believe that you were at fault, that you didn't work hard enough, that you chose to go to a strip club after getting a second chance uh, as a starter and, uh, during a, during a pandemic where your head coach is, uh, has, uh, underlying health, um, issues that could cause his death. Right. So there, I mean, there are a lot of things that he has to take accountability for. And I feel like when he did get released, he made some of those comments and I hope he gets another opportunity. Uh, of course, I'd love an opportunity to talk with him and tell him how bad it can get. Right. I mean, this is just the first step, you know, things can get much worse. Uh, it depends on how you, uh, how you, what perspective you take and, and the guy you're looking at in the mirror and, and, and how you respect him. Mm -hmm. You know, and by that same notion, you mentioned something there with health, because one thing that maybe I just didn't pay attention to when it was happening at the time is that I didn't realize that you had had a major health scare back in, I believe it was 2011, um, when you had uh, the tumor that was on your brain stem, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, uh, yeah, it was scary, right? Uh, I was having like uh, equilibrium problems and, and feeling nauseous or hungover in the morning. I was sober at the time and, and I woke up feeling hungover all the time without the, the, 
the fun partying aspect of it the night before. And, uh, you know, I thought maybe there was a carbon monoxide leak in the house. And, and finally, you know, I went into the doctor and, and they put me in uh, for a brain scan and uh, they found this golf ball sized tumor on, on my brain stem. And I was in surgery in, in emergency surgery in LA, like five days later, it's, that's how, uh, you know, how quickly it escalated and, you know, 14 hours of surgery, uh, they weren't able to remove it all because it was intertwined and I had to go through the, the radiation part of it. And yeah, it was a scary thing. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't talk about it much just because I think I, I ended up relapsing, uh, during the, during the radiation part of it all. I was so sick and losing my hair and, and I just felt like everybody else who goes through this, you know, and is, is has pain, uh, you know, has that, that pain relief. And, uh, and problem is I, I, I just can't take painkillers, right. I'm a, I'm addicted mm. to them. Uh, I'm allergic to them. So, um, I, I feel like when I talk about my brain tumor and going through that process, I feel like it's an excuse rather mm. than taking accountability for, I knew who I was and I knew what I was. And I knew that if I took them, that's, you know, I just was, I, I felt pity for myself that I was going through this and uh, I deserved it and everything. So I, I, I you know, I, I don't talk about it that much when I, it really should be a big part of my story because it is, you know, and I think there's a lot of people that out there have gone through similar situations where they've had brain tumors and have, have had different kind of cancer and things like that. And we could, there's something relatable there too, that I, that I probably should give it more credit than I do. Is it one of those things where it's like, you know, cause I'm not, I don't wanna make anything uncomfortable cause this, you know, this isn't like my Barbara Walters special or anything, but it's like, um, you know, is it one of those things where it's just like, is it hard to be like, okay, I have to stand up for these things that I've done and I don't wanna have any excuses. But at the same time, if you have a brain tumor, I'm thinking if there's something that's gonna bring some relief, I could understand why the bottles might be getting hit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I but I but I you know I know my I knew myself then I knew what my problem was and I had gotten sober and I it I just um, the problem was the addict behavior like okay. maybe I maybe I I could have taken the painkillers uh, if somebody oversaw it right uh, okay. a family member had them I told the doctor beforehand that I had a a, a pre if I would have told the doctor beforehand that I had a previous problem. So can we monitor it? The transparency, the issue was the addict behavior. It was the sneakiness, uh, all the things that I did when I was abusing drugs before they were, they were present, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the sneaking, the hiding, the not telling anybody that that's the, uh, that's the parts I'm, I'm, that I look at and I say, okay, that's, that's where the addict was. I wasn't being uh, the true version of myself and just being open and honest because I have had surgery in the last, uh, you know, three years. I had a, a, an abdominal surgery, you know, two years ago and my doctor and I were very transparent with one another what my past issues were. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my fiance uh, held the pills after my surgery and administered them for like three days. And then, and then we were done, you know, I, my sponsor knew about it. That's the difference is the transparency part of it. And, and when you're not behaving in the same way, and that's what makes the big difference, I think. I got you. And um, by the way, for those of you listening, um, I'm gonna get to some happier moments. I'm just trying to be very thorough and cover everything. So don't worry, there's some happier questions coming. I just want to get through these <laughs> parts because I feel like these things are helpful to people. Um, and that's a segue to go into this question. Um, I have never uh, been uh, incarcerated, if you will, or prison. I know I'm not built for it because I'm five, seven on a good day. At least you got some hype to you. Uh, I was just curious because I haven't been through that experience. What was prison like when you went for that time? Was it what you were expecting a prison to be? Was it weird because you had some celebrity and notoriety? Or do you feel like that, you know, do you, I don't want to say necessary because we know what laws are, but I'm like, do you feel like that was something that you needed in your life to help keep you on the right track, knowing what you could face? Or is that something where you were just like, I just had to do what I had to do because of what I did? Um, yeah, I, did, I didn't know what to expect. I think there was a lot of fear going into it. But then once I got there, I realized that it, you know, 
prison isn't a deterrent for anybody. It's a, just another society in our country, right? I, okay. You know, because it's, it's supposed to know. be rehabilitation. Oh, it's not rehabilitative at all. Right. Um, it's the worst possible people doing the worst possible things in the worst possible place with the worst possible people monitoring you. Uh, so uh, it, it's it's a money making. Um, conglomerate in this country is what it is and uh and it's not a deterrent because it's just you know they they just warehouse you is what right. they do because it's a billion dollar industry so take you off the street uh you know i had a i had a bed uh you know i had a little 13 inch flat screen at the end of my bed with like 45 channels and the nfl red zone in the falls it, it's it's not a deterrent it's, it's about you making a conscious choice while you're in there to be a different person uh, it's all up to you because they're not helping you at all. Well, you know, to get past all that, to get into, well, I wanted to, I mentioned the happier questions, folks, to get through all that to now where you have your own business that you're running because you have, uh, I believe it's Ram Consulting. You've got your media career going. Um, you have the fiance working. Trust me, you do not want to be single right now, sir. You trust, oh, please, just, you should be so happy. Um, uh, but I've been speaking for me. So what was, you know, how did you get from all that to this is going to stop and I'm going to make all this work and working well, apparently? I mean, it's just, it's, it's a conscious choice, right? You, you leave what's been in the past in the past, right? Uh, you can't go back and rewrite the, the beginning of your story. You can, you can start over and hopefully have a, a different ending. It's, it's, and, and then you got to be accepting of it. Like you have to, surrender and accept that this is just it is what it is and people are going to judge that and what other people think of you is none of your business and, mm -hmm. and and do what you think is right and then you remove yourself from the equation you make it about other people uh you, you make it about being of service to others and what's crazy about that is when you make it about other people it really does a, 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 a it makes your life better too mm -hmm. and and that's been the the most present thing about all this is that you know telling my story and being of service and 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 helping in any way i can has made my life better and it's given me many different opportunities that you just talked about with my company and and through the sporting uh media side of things so you know just been really really blessed and really grateful for for everything that i've been through uh, because it's afforded me the life that i have now and speaking of affording, your business works in finance, which is not my specialty. I was just curious because um, your company does work in finance. I had that correct, right? I didn't want to say that. No. Didn't know. Oh, see. Well, I mean, I make I money, it. so it works in finance. <laughs> He's like, I make paper. Um, but no, actually, I was going to say, can you describe uh, what Ram Consulting does and what you know started and what gave you the idea to start the company up? Well, the reason I started it up is because I needed a, you know, I was speaking all over the country and I was get starting to get paid for it. And I needed a, a way to, uh, you know, it, it was really a, a um, consulting firm. Mm -hmm. And so my CPA and I talked about, so we set this company up just so the company would get paid and it's turned into something much bigger. It's turned into a, a broadcasting and, and media company, a consulting firm. Uh, it, it's turned into a production company. So, I mean, it's, it's just grown over time. Uh, and, um, it, it continues to grow. And it was just something I had set up uh, uh, to essentially help with the, the business aspect of things in terms of taxes and stuff. And it's, it's actually turned into a, uh, a, a functioning, uh, well-run company. And, and that, that I didn't ever think I would be a successful businessman either during this process. Right. I was going to say, which one is, which one requires more work? Would you say running your own company or running the offense of an NFL team? Or is there similarities in both? I, I think there's similarities in both. And I, and I tell those to a lot of rookie quarterbacks when they come into the league that they need to look at themselves as the CEO of a fortune 500 company is that that's essentially what you need to be and how you need to go about business. And when you're working in the business world, you're, you're just hustling, right? You're, you're hustling to, to get gigs, you're hustling to produce films and documentaries and, and, and broadcast your radio and, and podcasts and things like that. So, I mean, I, I feel like, I, I feel like I work harder now, but I, I know how hard uh, it was to get where, where I was at. 
Mm -hmm. I just, I can't see it right now because, you know, high school and college just felt, felt pretty, it felt easy. And the reason why it felt easy is because I had worked so hard. That's why. I got you. You know, I was going to say, is it more, do you feel more joy now though in doing what you're doing? Or do you think it, you would have had more fun in the NFL and things have been different? Or is this much more satisfying than that ever was? Well, it, I can't look back on it because I, I wouldn't be the person that I am without having gone through what I've gone through. So I, I don't look back on things and go, God, I wish it would have been different. I wish I would have treated people differently. I wish I would have treated people better. But I also wouldn't be the individual I, I am right now if I hadn't uh, had to deal with the adversity that I had to deal with and in, in a public way. I understand. That, make, that makes sense. I was going to say, how did the serious XM opportunity come about? Uh, you know, friend of mine, uh, was friends with the senior vice president of, of programming. Um, he had gone through a, a difficult time in his family where we had something we could relate to. Um, we really became close, I think, before, uh, the business side of things became evident, but, um, I started doing some, some radio on my own and, uh, he gave me an opportunity. He started a, a show on the, the college station uh, around the Pac-12. And then it's, mm -hmm. it's gotten bigger in terms of, of NFL radio and Mad Dog radio and, and ESPNU radio. And, you know, I, I work really hard at it. And I feel like I've gotten much better um, being on the radio. And, and I love being able to do it. And I think during COVID, uh, it, it went away for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a real uh, opportunity to refocus and, and not take it for granted. And, and when I go on the radio, there's, it's purposeful, uh, it's fun, and it's informative. And that's, that's exactly what I need it to be. You know, and COVID has changed the way that we pretty much do everything these days. Um, do you think that, you know, sports will ever get back to the quote unquote world of normal, if you will, or... <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, it's, I mean, I like watching baseball and basketball and football, but I'd rather be at the game if I could go. But I mean, you know, from the, from the athletes that you've talked to, the other people in the sports media, what is y'all feeling, your feeling, if you will, about just how different this is? Well, as, as a player, you want the fans there because you, you, you kind of feed off that energy. As a former player and somebody who doesn't go to games unless he's working them and calling them, I, I, it's, it's much more informative and fun for me to watch it in front of the television. So um, I like, I kind of like, I, I, I tell my parents all the time, I think I was actually born in the wrong decade. I was, I should have been born in, in 2020 because I'm a, I'm a COVID guy. I like, you know, now, you know, I'm going on my hikes and stuff or, and I run into people I, I know or recognize, you know, I don't have to stop and give them hugs or shake hands or anything like that. I can almost, <laughs> I can almost simply just ignore them and, and move on because that's kind of the way of the world right now and, and be socially distanced. I am a social, a social distancer uh, in, in life, I feel like. And uh, this was like well, the perfect thing for you then. I don't mind it. I miss, uh, you know, I worked for ESPN last year and I really right. enjoyed that. I got to do some work on ESPN or on SportsCenter and, and NFL Live and, and college football stuff. And, and I've missed that this year because I really feel like a lot of those um, peers of mine that I made friends with last year, um, I really miss them. I, I miss that part of the job. I understand, you know, uh, you know, working and doing the games and things of that nature now, and, you know, getting a chance to observe this, um, you, you talked about the fans not being there with, with, with what we've got going on right now, do you feel like sports are really like needed though, for like a lot of people for like a stress relief outlet or, are, are sports taking on a, a bigger significance, would you say, with COVID going on? Well, I, I, it is. It's, you know, it's, it's some, for some people, it's, it's that, that numbing void that they need, right? You know, how difficult things have been. It allows them to escape uh, themselves for a little bit. Now, the fact that, that uh, you know, individuals are responsible for that for us, mm -hmm. especially collegiately, uh, I think is is a problem, right? You know, I, uh, the fact that college football and college basketballs are trying to play during a worldwide pandemic, I think is asinine. I really do because they want to play, mm -hmm. they, they want to play, but, but 
the people that are making them play or, or getting them to play are the ones that are reaping in all the benefits or the ones they need the unpaid labor to do so they can make all the money that they make. Now, professional leagues, I understand because, you know, it's a business. Right. But college sports for me, that, that's, that's been a difficult one. I've, I've felt guilt uh, at times, you know, on Saturdays. Um, laying around and, and enjoying college football all day because uh, you know if you if you really have the the right perspective around it you it's kind of ugly and uh it, it may not be right you know it, it's funny you would say that because like I know that you like to speak your mind and sometimes you know when I'm watching tv or sports I sometimes feel like athletes or broadcasters they want to say something but they're like paycheck network whatever you know what I mean it's like eh. and you know because you talked about like the college situation uh I'm assuming I know the answer to this but do you feel that college athletes should be getting paid period regard pandemic or not I I think they need to be for their likeness like you know for video games uh and for their jersey sales and you know posters and, and billboards you know I think that should be. I, I think they already already they already are getting paid in terms of their their tuition being paid for. You know, college costs six figures, one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. That's a significant uh, thing. Uh, my education for me was, you know, I, I didn't think about it at the time whether mm -hmm. I should be getting paid or not. I, I do feel like how much money is being made that if they're going to use somebody's name, image, and likeness, that there needs to be some some compensation for that. But I don't I don't think that that they should be getting paid to play football. They're mm -hmm. getting a ed free education for, for playing football, playing basketball, playing those sports. Understood. And you know, you talked about, uh, you said the word paid there several times. And I'm just curious, cause I doubt I'm ever gonna have this level of money. Um, what is it like when someone gives you a check that's got a couple different zeros at the end of it for the first time? Like, I remember the first check I got and uh, I, I, I was about started crying when I saw how much money was taken out in taxes. Um, oh, I called I my, you. I called my dad and I was like, you know, I was distraught because, you know, it was like two and a half million dollars in taxes were taken out. And I went and my dad said something to me, he said, Hey Ryan, the more, the more money that's being t taken out in taxes means the more money you're making. And he has a point, mm -hmm. um, but I still couldn't get past that. Like, wh what? Why would <laughs> why would two and a half million dollars go to the government? I can give them twenty dollars. That's good enough, right? I mean, I made the money. I don't. I don't. And I. I still don't get it, man. I, still I was gonna don't say, like, I, I. I felt like you were having a flashback there for a second. Like, I need to call my uh, my tax person right now. Like, well, what's up with this? You know, what is up with it? I'm it just I just looked at I, I, I'm pretty sure I cried. I'm, I'm I know for a fact that I cried when I saw how much money was going to the US government out of, of my check to play football. Hey, somebody's got to make those roads smooth, right? Yeah. I mean, just think of all the pothole damage you helped save, sir. Well, I, 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 I fixed a lot of potholes. I tell you that much, right? <laughs> You know, do you remember what was the first thing that you bought that was like, because now ESPN had the documentary broke and, you know, we've all seen athletes buy flashy things. I didn't know, you know, because I'm going to say it, they don't tend to have a lot of the white athletes on that documentary. I'm just going to throw that out there. But did you ever, did, do you remember like the first thing that you bought that was like really like unnecessary or gaudy or flashy or did you never spend money like that? Uh, private planes is where I spend spent a lot of just you know needless money. Um, that's an expensive uh, entitlement, I guess. Was um, it just to go party or for vacations or everything? You know, I just you know I I just I saw it as something as what cool rich famous people do, and that made me a part of the 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 group. I thought. And it's just, it's such a waste of money. Uh, now it's, it's convenient and it's comfortable, all of that, but it, it is so expensive. It is so expensive. And that, that was the needless spending there. I think the first thing I ever bought, my mom came down to help me kind of furnish the house that I got. And it was the first real TV I'd ever really bought, uh, at least a large one. It was a, a flat screen. Mm -hmm. 
but back 22 years ago, you know, buying a big flat screen TV was probably like $5,000. Yeah. I just went a, I just went and bought a new one for my house recently right. over the Christmas. And it was like 600 bucks for a 75 inch. I was just like, yeah, what, what this is it's yeah. So that was probably the you know first big purchase I made. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably needless because I, you know, it, it felt big, but did it, you know, really, was it worth it? Uh, the private plane stuff was, was, was where I made my money evaporate. Really. It, it just, it's, it's like burning money. It really is. I, I understand. I spent too much money on some baseball caps from a company called Paper Planes, but that's nowhere near that. So I understand spending <laughs> money too much is a little bit of a situation. Um, we talked about this before we started recording. I'm an autograph collector myself, and I've also worked uh, for a uh, sports franchise that shall remain nameless due to many reasons, including me wanting to continue getting my check. Um, but uh, what was what has been what was the craziest request? you ever got from a fan that you can remember or that you can recall or share publicly? Um, Cause I'm know, assuming with you being a good looking dude, you probably had some ladies oh, hitting on you and with you being a first round draft pick, I'm pretty was, certain uh, there were people around. There was a young lady um, that brought over like a gift basket. Uh, I can't remember what was in the gift basket. It wasn't anything inappropriate in the gift basket okay. until I got to the card. When I opened up the card, there was a bunch of pictures in it of her oh. that were, uh, let's say, uh, less than revealing. And uh, and by less than revealing, you mean plenty revealing. Plenty revealing, <laughs> yeah. Um, and hey, you know, you know, twenty-one-year-old rookie quarterback. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't think about them being insane so you reach out <laughs> right you just think about you know you think mm-hmm. about you know you know uh, the naked woman that's that's yeah. that's the bottom line there like a beautiful naked woman mm-hmm. that you really don't have to you know <laughs> care about right uh, and have zero kind of intimacy other than the superficial and so yeah i mean that that's probably that was probably the, i mean i had many of those kind of propositions. I, that's the one that I, that I didn't do a lot of research in, in my mind, because first of all, she found out where I lived, mm. which, you know, then she got inside the, the gated community and got, got it to be left on the, on the front porch of my house. And i like, like, didn't hesitate. It was just like, yeah, call her. Let's do this. <laughs> uh she easily could have killed me that night easily i'm assuming so is it a good thing you didn't have like facebook and instagram with your dms open when you were 21 i guess uh yeah yeah it could have uh <laughs> it could have been pretty uh pretty ugly i had to work pretty hard uh to to go out and, i had to go out i had to go out and you know make the effort of going to a bar or going to a place and it wasn't hard once i got there but mm-hmm. it, you know it was a matter of going through the process. If you could like, you know, it, it's like home order, home order bride for you uh, nowadays. You can just, you know, kind of get on your DMs and be like, you know, what are people sending you all the time? So yeah. it, it, it's an interesting world we live in now. That's for sure. I understand. You know, and I was curious, you know, um, with you still having, you know, your name out there, being in media and whatnot. Um, how have you been able to maintain your relationship with the fiance and keep things cool? You know, where it's like, hey, if I go out, someone may recognize me or ask for a picture or an autograph, or I may have to fly across the country to go do an engagement or a broadcaster can't do so. You got laryngitis or whatever, and they need Ryan to come in. Um, you know, like, how have you found a way to balance that in your in your private life with people? I, I think that it's, uh, I have no interest zero interest in, in, in anybody else. Um, it's about my, it's about my, my, it's really all about my kiddo. I got a three-year-old boy. And so it's all about him. Um, but I also have to be understanding, Mm -hmm. uh, and be empathetic (laughs) to everybody else around how they would feel about it. Like, like me going across the country and traveling or being at an event where there's, uh, you know, you know, beautiful women or, or things like that. I'm not, I don't, I don't see it that way, but I got to be empathetic to somebody else who may see it that way. And there may be some jealousy that, that there's no need for it, but those are, those are their own feelings, right? That has nothing to do with me. That's them. It's them dealing with stuff. And I have to be 
supportive and empathetic for that. So it, it's a it's a give and take, you know, any kind of any kind of relationship is always give and take around what another person is feeling about something when when I, when I have no interest. Right. But somebody else may feel, um, you know, less than in a moment and, and need some reassurance or support. You know, and on to go along with that, how have you and the missus been able to survive quarantine? Because I know you said you like, you know, being a little solitary, but uh, you're out in California where every time I read the news, it's pretty much y'all can't do jack. So uh, <laughs> how are you getting through? We can golf. And that's been huge. Golf courses have stayed open. Uh, it's a great opportunity to be social, but socially distant. You know, the closest I get to anybody is probably 12 feet, you know, 16 feet but we can still be outdoors uh, and be social. And it's, and it's a long, it's a long activity, right? It can be anywhere mm-hmm. from four to five hours of an activity. So, and it's exercise. So that's been incredible for my mental health during the last nine months being in California. And because it is California, golf's been open year round, right? It's not, it's not like there's a part where it's snowing. It's, it's, it's been beautiful mm-hmm. uh, every single day of the year. And so that's, that's been good for, for a city that's been in lockdown, Los Angeles, um, the outdoors thing has, has afforded me uh, a great opportunity to stay, you know, mentally fit. And it's allowed me an opportunity to get physically fit too. I've, I've right. lost a bunch of weight. Uh, I was going to say, you, you looking kind of jacked, like you could go on the field right now and get some backup uh, passes in for a second. Like, uh, you know, the exercise thing, um, what is your, as a former professional athlete, what is your number one exercise tip for the general public? Food, food and water. That's it, bottom line is, is uh, during this, this quarantine, it's been all about food for me because the gyms haven't been open. I haven't been able to exercise. The golf has been my exercise and I try to get out and hike at least two miles every day. Uh, but it's, it's been all food. And, you know, I got with a nutritionist and we, we found the right fit and uh, I'm eating, you know, I, I committed to eating uh, healthy uh, since July, like July 3rd and I've lost 80 pounds. I'm the lowest I've been uh, since I was a freshman in college, 218 pounds. So it's, it's, I love it. My joints feel great. Um, my, men, my mental uh Acuity right now is, I think, just firing on all cylinders, which is which is good to have in a time where a lot of people are are struggling with that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 2021 is going to be about uh, it's not going to be much of a of a change from 2020. I think people just assume you flip the calendar. It was going to be a different thing. You know, just because there's a vaccine out there doesn't mean you're going to get it for a right. long, long time. Yeah. And so and and and. The, the pandemic's getting worse. There are more cases every single day and states yeah, are getting California's worse. California's in bad shape, it looks like. So um, 2021 is going to be what you make it. It's going to be what you do, how you choose to view it, how you choose to control what little you can control. And that's the choices and decisions you make and how you how you choose to feel. And so um, that's what I'm doing. I'm making, I'm going to make 2021 the best um, uh, regardless of circumstance. Of course. I mean, that's why you're doing a, a great podcast so you can get things off on a, on a great note. I mean, wh- why wouldn't you? Um, uh, for those listening, that was a joke. And Ryan was like, no, nah, I'm not going for that one. Uh, a couple of very quick questions. He did smile on that follow up. A couple quick questions. Uh, what was the hardest you ever remember being sacked? Uh, it was in college. Um, young man by the name of Daryl Russell played at USC. Um, he hit me. Uh, as hard as I think I've ever been hit at the professional level. There was a couple, uh, Daryl Russell again, uh, with the, uh, Oakland Raiders. Uh, he split my chin open from, uh, just, he hit me right underneath my chin strap and split me open pretty, pretty darn good. And then, uh, we were playing the Ravens the year they won the Super Bowl, and Ray Lewis, uh, he, he hit me, he hit me so hard in the, in the side. I think it, it lacerated my spleen and I ended up in the hospital, uh, uh, bleeding and inter- internally so those were the, those were probably the worst the worst ones that, that I took yeah you just reconfirmed why I played baseball as a kid because as I've joked about on stage if you hit the ball far enough you get to walk um yeah what was your, what was the team you hated playing the most and which team did you love playing the most I don't think I hated playing anybody uh that Ravens team 
defensively, there was the best defense I ever played against. So, I mean, they were difficult, but it, I looked at it as a challenge. Um, the funnest teams I ever played were, were teams that were, had opposing quarterbacks that I looked up to that were uh, heroes of mine and I wanted to beat. I mean, my first preseason game ever was against Steve Young and the 49ers. And I was like, wow, uh, getting to play. And then I played really well and we beat them, you know, that, that type of thing. Uh, that's that's what I really look for. I look forward to that competition. I wanted to play the best, and I wanted to beat them. And in college, I I was able to able to do that. And the pros, it was it was uh, not as good. But I mean, some of my wins were against some great quarterbacks. I mean, Doug Flutie, I beat uh, Warren Moon, I beat um, you know Rodney Pete, and uh, I'm trying to think of who else who else uh, I beat. I can't remember. But hey, you got three out there. There wasn't many. Oh, Steve McNair. Beat oh, Steve McNair, so nice. That's yeah. I mean, those are, you know, those are great, great quarterbacks. So I, I, uh, um, I like the competition. Uh, beat Peyton. I beat Peyton in the preseason, so it doesn't really count. But um, you know, that's my preseason games or my preseason stats are pretty good. <laughs> if there was a preseason Hall of Fame, I'd probably be in it. You know, I was going to ask you, what is a name a player that you think doesn't get the props or respect that they really should? Either one that you played against or one that you see now. Um, I think Matt Hasselback gets gets the, I, I think he gets the respect he deserves, but sometimes I think it's overlooked. And I think what what he was able to accomplish as a pro, uh, as a late round draft pick and backing up Brett Favre uh, in in Green Bay and then getting a shot in in Seattle and taking them to a Super Bowl, I. I and then continuing on his career and playing in Indianapolis and Tennessee and late into, you know, his, his early forties, I think. Um, I, I think that's, that's a guy that I, I respect a hell of a lot more than I think people give him credit for. I got you. Who are your favorite people to watch now? Uh, Aaron Rodgers, my favorite. Uh, he just is so, he makes it look so easy and I know how difficult it is. I think that's, what makes it so fun for me, uh, the young up and comers, you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, those guys, those guys are really fun to watch too. But you know, Aaron Rodgers for me is just, uh, is, is just really special. And then to see what Tom Brady's doing at the age of 43, to be able to throw 43 touchdown passes this year, that's, you know, my last collegiate football game was against Tom Brady. He was on the other sideline uh, for Michigan. Wasn't even the starter, was the backup. And he's still playing. And I, I watch him go through four, four touchdowns on Christmas Day. And I, I go and warm up for a hike the other day. And I, and I strain my calf. I mean, that's the dude's, the dude's amazing. That, that's, that'll do it. Um, I got to ask this before we get almost we're ready to wrap up. Super Bowl prediction. Who are you thinking is going to be in the game? And who do you think wins? You know, it, everybody's saying, you know, until nobody knocks off the, the Chiefs, it's got to be the Chiefs. And, you know, I, I, I can't argue with that. But what I've seen Buffalo being able to do uh, this year and how much better they've gotten late in the year defensively and Josh Allen offensively with Stefan Diggs. Um, I'm going to I'm going to say Buffalo wins their first Super Bowl ever uh, by beating the Green Bay Packers in, in the Super Bowl and and. Josh Allen is a Super Bowl champion, and the Buffalo Bills are NFL Super Bowl champions for the first time ever. Wow, it's a good thing they played the game in winter because Buffalo might burn to the ground with celebration if they win a Super Bowl finally. So you heard it here first, Josh Allen, Super Bowl champion. I would love for that to come true because then people would be like, he had him on it. He said, like, yeah, but "Mm -hmm." be perfect. Uh, (laughs) Mr. Leaf, Please take the time to go ahead and plug yourself. Where can people find you? Uh, what you know, business inquiries. Uh, no more sneaking into the DMs, ladies. I'm sorry, he's taken. Um, but uh, go ahead. Feel free to go ahead and plug yourself, sir. Yeah, uh, you can reach out to me on my uh, on my social media platforms if you if you need somebody to talk to, if you need help, or if you just want to talk sports to at uh, Ryan D Leaf on Twitter and, and Instagram, and then. Uh, for business inquiries, speaking engagements, things like that, uh, the website is theryandleaf.com. All right. And, you know, one thing I wanted to ask is that, you know, you mentioned that you have a three-year-old son now, you're a dad, um, you know, you've had a cavalcade of life experiences ranging from ecstatic to, oh, snap. Um, I was just curious, 
you know, when, you're, when your son gets older and he's going to learn about, you know, his dad away from home, not just dad, but like, you know, the, the, the football player, the personality, the dude who had his various troubles and things of that nature. Um, what advice do you think you're going to pass on to your son one day to just, you know, that from what you've learned about life to help him with his? Well, I'm just going to be honest with him. You know, I have, I have a, a, a great learning story. So I think that's going to help me be a better father, you know, and they're going to be a, a point where he doesn't know what's going on because kids can be brutal. And I'm sure there's going to be kids at school that are making fun of his dad or, 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 or saying uh, humiliating things about his dad and he, he, he won't understand it and he'll come to me at home and, and, and I'm going to be honest with him, you know, and I'm going to tell him it's okay. Uh, you know, we love each other unconditionally and, uh, we're all going to make mistakes and you're going to make mistakes. And I, I, I think it will make it me more relatable uh, to my son. Cause you know, I still look at my father as like my hero and this, this, you know, uncompromising, uh, you know, integrity of a man, but, you know, growing up and in, in later in life, I, I, I understand that he's a flawed man, just like I am. And I feel like if I'd have known more of those, you know, ugly things, I would have been more open to be transparent and honest when things got difficult for me. So I, I think it's going to be a benefit for me. I really, really do. Nice. That was a very positive answer. You, I can see why you get paid to speak publicly. I'm like, I'm inspired <laughs> to go out and try and lift a weight or something. Uh, and then final question, uh, the final hard hitting question. Um, if someone was to play you in a movie, whom would you choose to play in the Ryan Leaf story? Because I got to say, I've been staring at you now for 40 something minutes and I keep having Ben Affleck visions go through my head with the goatee working. So I'm just curious, who plays you in the movie? Yeah, you know, you know, living in L.A., I, I've been working with some from screenwriters that are interested in, in telling my story that way. So there's been some names that have been brought up. Um, and Ben Affleck is, is a name that, we, that we've talked about. I, I'm friendly with Chris Pratt. Uh, we work out at the same gym and um, he's from the state of Washington originally. He's athletic. Um, if, if I was picking somebody to do it, I think I would pick him. Just, okay. I, I, you know, I know him, you know, right. I know what kind of a good guy he is too, but uh, I'm sure other people will have different ideas on, hey. on who will who will do it or not you never he's, know he's a big guy right yeah. he's a big guy he's like six four um friend of mine jeff stoltz uh who who grew up uh as an athlete uh i thought i think he could do a really good job so i okay. mean there's some and and ben affleck also could you know he's had to deal with his own demons similar to yeah. mine we have a similar story so i think he would have uh he'd be able to tap into that character probably better than than most that's very true. But if you get Chris Pratt, you can call it Guardian of the Gridiron and get that Marvel crossover money. I'm just saying. Got to get that. Got to get that crossover money. Those residuals, man. That's all. That's what it's all about. Right. Yeah. See, this is why he has bank. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to take the time to thank my guest, Mr. Ryan Leaf. And thank you for listening to this episode of A Tight 45. And that is a wrap on this episode of A Tight 45. want to take the time once again to thank my guest, Mr. Ryan Leaf, for taking time out of his busy schedule to spend a little bit of time with me and talking about his life and career. And for those of you that listened to the episode, I hope that you found it inspirational, if not insightful and entertaining, um, especially given the way that everything is going right now in this country. Uh, I'm hoping that you know, maybe you can find some inspiration in him being able to overcome all of the things that he has overcome and all the things that he is still battling, but trying to make the best of as we all try to do that and move forward in 2021, because Lord only knows what's going to happen next. So for this episode of A Tight 45, once again, I am your host, Tabari McCoy. If you have questions, feel free to email me, Tabari at tabarimccoy.com. You can also, of course, go ahead and follow me on all the various social media channels. It's at Tabari McCoy on everything. And feel free to shoot over that email, leave a review for the podcast, whatever it may be. Reach out, get in touch. We can talk 
I mean, we're all at home, right? So what else are we going to do? You know what I mean? You've probably streamed everything on Netflix, Hulu, uh, your Roku. Uh, your TiVo is probably overworked at this point. Uh, so yeah, go ahead, drop a line, get in touch with a live, actual human being. And uh, we'll get back to trying to make this crazy, crazy world that we live in a little more normal one day at a time. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Right about now, you should be hearing that smooth, soothing R&B music kick in as we fade out on this episode of A Tight 45. God bless everybody. <laughs>